Welcome once again to the Wide Teams Podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers. Located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at Wide Teams. This is episode 55. I'm your host, Avdi Grimm. And I just want to say that this episode of the Wide Teams Podcast is made possible by generous support from Argyle, offering professional services with a niche focus in QA strategy and automated web testing. You can find out more about Argyle at ARGYLE.com. Joining me today, I have Troy Davis and Eric Linval of Paper Trail. Guys, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. All right, so uh, I understand that you have been um, working in a distributed fashion for a while. You want to tell me a little bit about what you're doing and uh, how the distributed team came to be? Yeah, so we started out uh, distributed only in the city sense. So I live about 20 miles away from where Eric lives, and we were both in Seattle, so... What do you think, Eric? We started meeting maybe once a week. Yep. And gradually that became less and less until basically when we got together, this is probably over the span of a year, uh, when we got together, it was entirely social. And we talked business, you know, in, in passing, but it wasn't anything about working together or planning or anything because we didn't need to. And uh, now you're both, you're both developers, right? Correct. Okay. And it's now more than just the two of you, right? It is. And actually... Uh, it's the two of us, and we work with a contractor, Ryan, who is an amazing graphic designer, and is just as important as the two of us. So in that sense, I would say it's the three of us, just with different levels of involvement. Okay, and then and where is Ryan located? Ryan's in West Virginia. So I actually have never spoken with Ryan, and we've been working together over three years now in some form of, of part-time or a contracting relationship, but not only have we never spoken like on the phone or anything more serious, we've never done anything other than text chat. Wow. How did you hook up with him in the first place? We spent years trying to find the right designer to help with us and ended up that I think over the course of a year or two was looking on every design blog I could find and anything that had designers on it and stumbled across this guy that had a blog that was talking about rail stuff. And I really liked the style of his stuff. And it took me a while, but eventually was able to get a hold of him and asked him, are you looking to do any sort of contract work? And he said, definitely. And we just hit it off. And it's been really great because we kind of had the same eye for things and makes it really easy to just hand things off to him and have him be committing to the code base and just everything is super smooth and it just, it makes it so much easier for us. Hmm. And just to add to that a little bit, if anybody listening has experienced the pain of trying to find a good design fit, you know, we were looking for somebody who's flexible, who thinks on their own, you know, thinks like an entrepreneur because they are entrepreneurs, uh, doesn't need a ton of direction. And then of course it's just fun to interact with and, Eric was not kidding when he said it took years. Wow. And there's there's still, as far as I'm concerned, no good way to uh, make that a faster process. It hmm. really is, you know, either you settle or, as in our case, you just work with enough different people until you find a great match. Mm-hmm. And our great match was that great. Like, I, you know, we, we get along so well that verbal communication isn't really needed. Right. Wow. You think you'll ever meet up? 
I doubt it. <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen at some point. We'll go to some conference or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess in that sense, eventually, yes, but not through any, like, intentional decision. So forgive me if uh, you already went over this, but uh, where are you two located right now? So I'm located a little bit north of Seattle. And Eric's got this nice short answer. Uh, mine is just as long and convoluted as his is short. So I was in Seattle until the end of June, sorry, the end of May. Then I spent June living in, on Airbnb in Portland, uh, July in Seoul, South Korea, and part of August, uh, April in Bangkok, or sorry, August in Bangkok, and then by way of San Francisco, I'm actually talking to you from New York, and I have no more apartment or condo or what have you. Oh, wow. So um, for those who don't know, what is Airbnb? Airbnb is basically a way to rent either a bedroom or an apartment or a house, or you can rent a whole island if you want. So I just go on there, and it's it's a lot like booking a hotel room. You know, see the different places available. And I'm, I literally show up at a stranger's door, and I say, hey, you know, I'm Troy. I'm the dude who booked your, your bedroom or your apartment, and I stay there for a month. Hmm. And that's worked out really well for you? It has. It's worked out very smoothly. And, in fact, the place that I'm staying right now is uh, dead in the middle of midtown Manhattan. Hmm. So it would be almost impossible to get as like a hotel room, you know, t- thousands, many thousands of dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So you've, it's a it's a money saver among other things. It is, yeah. It's, as far as I'm concerned, it's better than a hotel because I have an actual kitchen and you know, I'm just living in somebody's apartment. Mm-hmm. So, so what what prompted this uh, globe trotting? I would say uh, living in Seattle got to be too easy, which probably sounds like a strange answer, but <laughs> you know, I, I could plot that forward as long as I as I wanted. And uh, on the subject of distributed teams. Eric and I and Ryan had reached the point where we really did have a, a seamless interaction. Hmm. So you think you're going to keep it up for a while, keep moving around? I think so, at least for a little while. So, you know, I, I would tell people, as long as I've got my computer, as long as I've got Internet access, I can work from anywhere. And it took, I guess, three years of saying that before I t- said to myself, you know, hey, if you can, why don't you? Why are you still here? What's the most awesome place you've written some code? As one thing I've learned, uh, two big impacts of where I am that make a huge difference. Uh, one is access to public transit or really access to anything where I don't have to think about commuting. And the other is not having a ton of rain. I don't need sun, but like being able to sit outside is great. Mm-hmm. So the answer to your question is, uh, I've been sitting outside at coffee shops early in the morning, like 7.30, 8.30 in the morning. And that's by far the most awesome. Like, I'm watching the city wake up, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm just cranking away. So talk to me about how you interact, the three of you interact, and, like, divvy the work up. Do you pretty much know, like, what you're working on? Or, I mean, do you ever have trouble with um, being far apart and knowing what to tackle? So the the easiest thing that tells us what to work on is what we're getting the most customer feedback about. Mm-hmm. It It really is an amazing thing to kind of focus you on what needs to be done is, you know, looking at the support tickets and what people are, uh, we have a, a little campfire chat room that we give the link to everybody, all of our customers to, so that they can come and talk with us about issues. Okay. And, and that does an amazing job at, as you start to see the same thing come up more and more, it really helps. And then to kind of catalog all of that, we are big users of the GitHub issues tracking system, we use that like crazy and 
the inter- integration between that and pull requests is just perfect for helping us to go from tracking what we need to do to starting to work on it and have conversations around that. It just, it really makes it a helpful way for everyone to keep up to date on who's doing what and how far it is, as well as everything from any commit we make gets automatically piped into campfire so that people are immediately aware of what changes are happening in the code base. Mm -hmm. Same thing with deploys and any new issues that we get from customers. All of that stuff gets pumped into campfire so that we have an idea as to, you know, kind of the pulse of everything all the time. And actually, Eric hit on one thing that's that's been a huge benefit for us. I, I'm rounding over some edges, but not many. The short version is we don't ever try to predict when something will get done because in doing that, we're making a, a trade-off that's really a not obvious one. The obvious benefit is we're taking a stab at when, you know, something will be finished, a feature, a bug, bug fix, or what have you. The huge negative, and this is one that I think almost any company that does this underprices, is you eliminate the ability to just choose what is truly most important in the current week, the current day. That mm-hmm. You know, if I get two support tickets from the same issue and I can solve something right then, or I've got the chance to take an extra day and solve a sales process problem, a spin up, you know, setup problem, mm-hmm. I, I can do that because we're agile in the lowercase a sense. We are truly agile. If something is obviously worth doing, we go do it. That aspect of not publicly promising anything and even just between us not setting, you know, unless there is some sort of external factor that requires it, not setting arbitrary deadlines to say when things will be done. You know, of course, giving gut, I feel like I have another three days or a week of this sort of thing is definitely a useful tool to just kind of give status, but not using that as a milestone to see how successful we're being is is really helpful in being able to deal with a small team and, you know, all sorts of possible priorities of what could be done. Mm-hmm. Having such a small team, do you have any kind of like formal daily stand up or anything like that? Or do you just kind of uh, catch up on campfire? We pretty it, much just camp- catch up on campfire. Do you work like similar hours or are you kind of scattered around the clock? It's, it really has depended on what time zone Troy's in. When we were both in Seattle, Troy gets up a little earlier, I stay up later. And so the main normal hours of the day, we were both almost always there. Mm-hmm. Um, when Troy was far, far away in other time zones, it definitely was only an hour or two of us actually having campfire overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that Troy is back in the States and in New York, we definitely have a good, I don't know, six hour overlap during what you'd consider work hours. And then normally whenever either of us are at a computer, even if we're not working, we'll have campfire open in case somebody needs something. Mm -hmm. And actually to expand on that a little bit, neither Eric nor I knew how asynchronous we really were, you know, our updates all get sent to campfire and we can log in at any time and see the history and comment on it and do work and so forth. But we didn't know how disconnected could the two of us be as far as time zones and just, you know, not having overlap. And we, I think we found the the outer boundary of that. I was okay with being in South Korea, which is 14 hours ahead, of, sorry, 16 hours ahead of Pacific time. And we had enough crossover there. Conversely, in Thailand, which is only 14 hours ahead, we did not have enough crossover. And it was basically one of us was asleep and one of us was awake. Mm-hmm. 
so we found the outer bound of like uh, somewhere in there, and I think approaching 12 would be even worse, is where it gets really difficult. I think it'd be a totally different story if we had a, a much larger team. Mm-hmm. But, for, you know, for a small number of people, that was our limit. So you it, need a little bit of overlap. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like that having a good deal of reasonable, like, working hour overlap between the members of your team is a pretty important thing. Um, and as Troy said, I think as the team grows, that it kind of gives you more ability to have that overlap, even if it isn't the entire team being in the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. And actually, some of the companies that, that we loosely model ourselves on, and I say loosely, like very loosely, emphasize that exact thing, that you might not always have the exact same teams either working together, whether it's you know physically in the same room or overlapping in terms of time zone. And the two that come to mind most obviously, and probably the one that's most important here, is Valve Software, which a lot of people have seen the Valve Software uh, employee handbook that runs through basically you are responsible for deciding how you should spend your own time. Mm. Interesting. Google talks about their 10% time and, you know, you hear about 20% time. Valve software provides 100% time. And if you join a team, you basically scoot your desk over there and you're working with them. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we'd like to see happen with Campfire as well, or really with, you know, interactive online chat. Then Mm -hmm. it's okay if you're seeing different people every day. How do you, you know, maintain like continuity in a setup like that? I guess it's not as big a deal with a smaller team. I'm curious if you have any thoughts about as, as the team grows, you know, how do you maintain either continuity of, you know, in a particular project that's being done or of just like, of like, you know, company values or does that actually help the continuity? Well, I mean, when it comes to projects and in that regard, it definitely has made sense so far. And I think into the future that while someone is working on a project that they are continuing to do that until there's a reasonable point of completion or handoff or something like that. Right. Okay. As far as how do you extend the values of the company as you grow and that sort of thing? I think that the thing that's most important there is to really be, and I think this is actually relevant in a lot of aspects of business, but be growing organically and not trying to have any sorts of big leaps in your growth, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think that's the easiest way in any aspect of the company to kind of lose focus on what it was that was what made you good and special and made your customers like you in the first place. You know, it's it's very tempting, and you see this a lot with uh, companies that will get a big cash infusion that will then go and just hire like crazy. And I think that's a really easy way to lose track of what it was that made you great to begin with. So add people that have your values rather than trying to add the values to the people. Definitely. Yeah, and and expect to add it at a rate that's consistent with, you know, the ability to transmit that. Mm-hmm. I think I think GitHub has shown pretty much the fastest that that can be done. Mm-hmm. You know, GitHub over the last year to Eric's point about organic growth. I think that's essentially, I mean, look at GitHub's uh for lack of a better term, their their deal flow, their candidate flow. Basically, anyone anywhere who is interested in working for for software companies either considers GitHub or is in some form, you know, contactable. So, consider them basically having the entire world as a of, of software and technology as prospective hires, mm-hmm. and then realize how few that they're hiring. Mm-hmm. There's probably a reason for that, and I'm guessing it's that that's what they think. You know, some mix of those are the people who are smart enough and who are the right fit. But also, mm-hmm. that's the, the amount you can actually scale. Right. 
So, um, just generally speaking, uh, having, having done this for a while, what advice do you have for teams that are working distributed? One thing I've noticed is there aren't really any shortcuts. And I, I entered this both like business and, and distributed work for working, not so much thinking that there were, but expecting that we would run into whether it's uh, shortcuts or things that work great. There's not really that many. Uh, transparency is absolutely huge. So uh, for Eric and I, you know, we will have, let's call it, call it heated arguments and it's part of working. You know, it's, I don't want to bring the phrase marriage up, but certainly it, you know, when you're working with other people and you can't see them, you need to be willing to share your true emotions and share what you really think. Right. And you'll be very heavily, or I should say, we would have been very heavily penalized if we were not willing to do that, whether it's, you know, you bottle that up and it comes out in other ways, or I've seen through, you know, through watching other companies where it almost becomes kind of a passive aggressive thing. Right. They aren't used to communicating that openly. So I think both individually, you know, transparency where you're willing to be totally open and also as a company, like we're willing to tell a customer, uh, we don't have that. Uh, here's the way we recommend doing what you're requesting, uh, or we do have that more a great fit, or hey, you know, go check out this other thing. I'm curious, you talk about having heated arguments. Is there a point where you have to take that off of campfire and, and do a call or something like that? Because it seems like those can, those, you know, on the internet, those tend to go south pretty fast when it's just over chat. I think it really depends on the thing. There are times when talking on the phone is helpful. There are other times where campfire ends up working out just fine. I think it probably comes down to the people involved and the specific circumstances for that. But there's definitely been times that phone calls or other sorts of things are uh, beneficial in that regard. Actually, there's a, a, a thing that or an adage that comes out of the protocol design world that, forgive me for, for misquoting here, is something like, be conservative in what you send and liberal in what you receive or what you accept. Mm-hmm. And I think that applies to communication protocols. At least it has with, with Eric and Ryan and I. If you have a preference, great, state it. But otherwise, you know, try to adapt to whatever somebody else has a strong preference for. And, I mean, honestly, in in working in a lot of companies previously where everybody is always in the same room, being right next to somebody really doesn't prevent heated arguments and people from, you know, yelling at each other and that sort of thing. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, personality and just kind of the context that they're coming from mm-hmm. in the discussions. I mean, I, I feel like in general that that's kind of the biggest source of friction in a lot of organizations is having people that have very differing philosophies when it comes to an issue, which will cause them to want to solve things in very different ways. Mm-hmm. And so in a lot of respects, finding people that kind of have a lot of that same common ground in the way that we were talking about with Ryan, that his design aesthetic is the same as ours, which means that we don't have to spend a lot of time arguing or trying to go back and forth on how the overall look and feel of something should be because we are starting from the same place. Uh, you'll find that in a lot of technical discussions and arguments as well, that there's a million different ways that you can solve any problem, but kind of having the same background really helps in having that, I don't know if you'd call them values when it comes to technical discussions, but that it it helps get everybody on the same page from where they're starting from. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's exam- an example of us not taking a shortcut. So rather than either settling for somebody uh, who didn't have the same mindset as Eric and I did, or just was, who wasn't as easy to work with, 
we kept looking for some someone who did. And if we had settled, I think that kind of would have snowballed and everything else would have been a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. It, it's not great advice, you know, don't take shortcuts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this is a universal thing when it comes to hiring is that uh, you see this happen over and over again where people say, you know, doesn't matter whether or not this person isn't a great fit. We just need someone to fill this role. And man, I think in so many cases that that just, it's a bad decision and that really spending the effort to be deliberate about those sorts of decisions that you make will, are, are so worth it. Seems like solid advice to me. Well, Troy, Eric, before, uh, before we wrap up, where can we find out more about both of you and about Paper Trail? And uh, actually, uh, how about uh, say a little bit about Paper Trail and, and what it is uh, before you go? Sure. So Paper Trail is our attempt to make logs more fun, or at least a little bit more fun, maybe not actually fun. So it's a host <laughs> of, it, yeah, making, making log messages fun is a bit of a challenge. You mean you're not doing log ga- gamification? Oh, yes. You get badges. And points. <laughs> <laughs> That's really our business model. It's, it's badges and points. Farmville for logs. 100 fatal errors in in five minutes. You get a hat. <laughs> <laughs> Let me apologize to anyone at, uh, yeah. So, uh, Paper Trail is hosted log management. And what that means is it's actually by and for engineers. So in as much as Eric and I are both engineers and entrepreneurs, we built it around our own needs, and that's made a huge difference for us. So when people ask us, what is Paper Trail? It's the log management service that we wished we'd had. And it's uh, it's at papertrail.com? What Close. Uh, papertrailapp.com. Papertrailapp.com. Okay. And uh, how about the two of you? Uh, Twitter, logs, anything like that? My GitHub account is uh, Eric, E-R-I-C. On Twitter, I am Lindvall. And I think that's about it. How about you, Troy? I'm Troy D on Twitter. And for both of us, if anybody has any questions or if you're spinning up a distributed team or you just want more details on anything we've done, uh, by all means, email either of us and we're happy to share full details. All right. Well, Eric, Troy, thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. Well, that is our show, and I do hope you've enjoyed it. To subscribe to the show if you haven't already, or to check out more interviews and articles about remote work, go to wideteams.com. You can also find the show in the iTunes Music Store, where reviews are always very welcome. The Wide Teams podcast is distributed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 license. Our music is by Giles Boquette. Until next week, this is Avdi Grimm, signing off. Wow, 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 wow,